0: Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Now, we are in our New Beginnings study. The idea is to see... You know, the Bible says that His mercies are new every day. And now, as we're, we're, we're in the August, we're in the, the middle of the summer right now, I want you to be thinking about what does God want to make new in my life today? God's going to have something for you from this text today. The Bible says it this way, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So that means that this text, where we are today, is going to be profitable in your life. Regardless of what's going on in your life, this text is going to be profitable for you today. So what I want you to do is we're going to pray in a minute, and I want you to ask God to speak to your heart through this. We're going to see some amazing things. We're going to do a little bit of review from last week, then we're going to dive into this week. We're going to see some amazing things from the Word of God. But you know that God can speak to you about something that's not even mentioned in the message today? I want you to ask for God to speak to your heart through, this, through His Word today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study Your Word. Lord, we don't need another church service. Lord, we need to hear from You. We need to meet with the Almighty God of the universe. Lord, we're going to see Your fingerprints in the Word today. We're going to see how You thousands of years ahead of time, you knew exactly what you were going to do. And Lord, that that power that you revealed in your word, that's available to us today, right now. So Lord, speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond thou shalt be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord saith unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now, last week we looked at the way of Cain, the way of Cain. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24, this is when they've been driven out of the Garden of Eden. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. The way of the tree of life. What is the way? Jesus Christ in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, there went, as soon as God pronounced that there was going to be enmity, there was going to be war, hostility. That's what the word means. Enmity means hostility. There was going to be hostility between the seed of woman, which would be Jesus Christ, and the seed of the serpent. There was going to be a war that was going to start. Well, Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life. Amen? It's the only way. In Acts chapter 9 and then in Acts chapter 19, several different places... The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul and he was persecuting Christians, he was going and killing Christians, he was trying to find any that were of this way, this way, what way? The way of eternal life, which is found in the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the way. Well, what we learned last week about the way of Cain, when we look at Cain and Abel, we see a war There is a war. There are two different battles that are being fought in this war. The first is the battle of the ways. If you look look with me again, just for review, Jude, verse 11. Jude is right before the book of Revelation. Jude, verse 11. The Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have gone in the way of Cain. So there is a way that leads to the gospel. There's a way that leads to the gospel. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the pew. Table of contents in front of the Bible to help you find the books. Proverbs 16 verse 25 says this. There is a way... That seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The way of Cain is the way of death. The way of Jesus Christ is the way of life. Amen? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we see that there's a battle of the ways. So what was Cain's way? Well, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground the labor, the work of his hands... He was going to bring to God something that he had done. But let me ask you, what do you have that's good enough to bring to God? To pay for your sin? Nothing. Nothing. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What I get, wages, what I get for what I do is death. So the way of Cain is the way of death. The way of Christ is the way of life. So it's a battle of two ways. Two ways. But it's also a battle of two seeds. Remember, Genesis 3.15, we talked about the battle of the seeds. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 12. Uh, Verse 11 for the context. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain... Now look at how he, he is identified here. Who was of that wicked one? Who was the wicked one? Satan. All right? Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him? because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Well, how was Abel's sacrifice righteous? How were Abel's works righteous? Cain's works were evil because he brought the wrong sacrifice with the wrong attitude in disobedience to God's word. Why was Abel's sacrifice accepted? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Can you imagine going to a church where you don't need your Bible? What's the point, right? Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That's a pretty cool verse. The things that are seen, everything that we have was made of stuff that doesn't appear. He made everything out of nothing. Only God can do that. Now look at verse 4. The Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now look at this. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So why was he righteous? Because he was obedient to the command of God in the way to approach God. That's the difference. That's the difference. See, they they had the same parents. They, they, They lived in the same place. They were exiled from the garden. They had a sinful lineage. Both of them needed a savior. Both of them needed a substitute. Both of them needed a sacrifice. Abel was willing to bring the sacrifice. Cain wasn't. The way of Cain versus the way of God. The sacrifice of Cain versus the sacrifice of evil. We said that there's a war between God and Satan, between the way, the truth, and the life, and the God of this world, the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the one that now worketh among the children of disobedience, that's Satan. So we see this identified right here in Cain and Abel. And last week we, worked, we looked at the way of Cain. So the, the, the war has two battles, the battle of the ways and the battle of the seeds. And of course, by the seeds, we understand that this is the lineage through which Jesus Christ would come. Aren't you glad Jesus came? Do you know Jesus as your savior today? Have you placed your faith and trust in him alone for your eternal life, or are you in the way of Cain? Those are the two options so now let's look at Abel and his sacrifice. Let's look at Abel and his sacrifice, and I want you to have your hand out because there are so many uh, there are so many characteristics of Abel that were also characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see these things. we use the word type just like. Type, T-Y-P-E. We use the word type. A biblical type is where you have a character in the Bible that represents a later character, that represents Jesus Christ. All right? So let's look at this. Number one, I want you to see a brilliant picture. Some blanks for you there. A brilliant picture. Abel, as a type of Christ. Letter A, able as a type of Christ. Number one, if we go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, You've got to be able to do about four things at once to come to Grace Baptist, don't you? <laughs> Abel was a shepherd. Abel was a shepherd. If you look at Genesis 4, two, And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, I want you to notice something about Abel being a shepherd. The sheep were not his He was keeping, he did not create the sheep. Amen? Cain was developing things through his own labor, the fruit of the ground. Now, of course, anyone who was really a farmer understands that without God, you're not getting any crops. Amen? But he, he was thinking that he was doing it all on his own. Abel was just keeping what God had created. All right? So Abel was a shepherd. Um. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is a shepherd. He's called the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Number two, it was as a shepherd that he presented his offering unto God. It was as a shepherd that Abel presented his offering unto God. If you look at verse 4, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. So as a shepherd, he brought one of the sheep that he was caring for, And brought it to God. It was as the shepherd, notice the capital, it was as the shepherd that Christ presented his offering to God. Look with me. Keep your place in Genesis, of course. But look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Abel was a shepherd, and he offered the firstlings of his flock to God. Look at John chapter 10, verse 11. This is Jesus Christ speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ, the shepherd, presented a lamb, but it was himself. Amen? What a wonderful picture that is. Then, number three, through though giving no cause for it, Though giving no cause for it, Abel was hated by his brother. Cain was jealous of his brother. All right? For no reason. For no reason. Look at what God says in verse 6, Genesis 4, 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin liest at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, I want you to understand something. What God is saying to Cain is, Cain, look, why are you upset? If you do good, it'll be good with you. And then he says this. Notice, this is an interesting tidbit right here. Look at verse, uh, the end of verse 7. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain was going to rule over Abel. Cain was going to, because he was the oldest son. There was no reason for him to be jealous of Abel. There was no reason for it. But he wasn't doing good. I want you to understand something. How many of you have ever gone through something hard in life? You've gone through something hard in life. All right. How many of you went through something hard in life and you know that it was your fault? Right? Well, then you understand what God is saying. If you do well, if you do well, look at how he says it. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. The Bible says it this way. Sometimes people say to me, Why is life so hard? Why is life so hard? I I work with people sometimes, and they struggle financially. And so I'll ask them, Are you honoring God with your money? Well, I can't afford to honor God with my money. Well, can I promise you something? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You transgress against God's financial principles, it's going to be hard. But if you do well, you'll be accepted. If you do well, you'll be accepted. You know, if if Jacob is having a hard day obeying, you know, he's just being a knucklehead. Has that ever happened? (laughs) He went, eh, maybe. Okay, so if Jake's being a knucklehead, you know what happens at home? It's not a good day for him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If he's not being good... Sometimes I'll walk in and I can just tell it's been a hard day. There's a little stress between Laura and Jacob. You can just tell. And, and here's the thing. We don't argue with our kids, but sometimes you have to correct them again and again and again, right? That's the way it is. And I, I can but tell by the look on his face that he's having a hard day. Why is he having a hard day? Because mom is having to correct him over and over and over again. And here's the thing that I would say to him. You know, if you just obey, if you just do what you know what you're supposed to do, your life's great. If you don't, your life is very, very hard. Now, notice what Cain says in response. Look down. Verse 13, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. There's a great gospel song sung by that great Christian, Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> if you can't do the crime, don't do the time. I mean, if you don't, can't do the time, don't do the crime. Amen? What, what was, that, what was that, that show that that was from? Beretta. That's right. See, here's the idea. People get all upset because they have to go to jail. Don't do the crime. Amen? Now, I want you to get this. Don't miss this. Do not miss this. Why was Cain jealous of Abel? Because Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Everything's great in Abel's life. Cain's having a hard life. So what does he do? He still lives in rebellion against God. And you know what happens then? Life gets harder. Life gets harder. Do you know what you do? Do you know what I do? We disobey God. We make a boneheaded move. And then life gets hard. And then we get mad at people whose life is good. I've had people, I I, I had someone say to me one time, they were talking about Dan and Doty New. I don't think I've ever told you guys this. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, well, I don't know how they would react. They've never had any trouble in their life. Dan, how was open-heart surgery? Did you enjoy that? Cancer okay, Dode? Raising Brenton Wade? <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting that you have people that are serving the Lord. And honestly, you guys have a pretty good life now, don't you? See, they have grandkids that want to serve the Lord because they are trying to do well. And their service for the Lord is being accepted. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't exclude them from trouble. But they're trying to do well. Now, I know some of you think they always do well. I could tell you some things. <laughs> but here's the idea. Here's the idea. When you see a family that's being blessed, first of all, you might not know what's really going on in the house. And secondly, don't be jealous of that. You do well, and God will bless you. You act like a knucklehead, and life will be hard. And if you keep acting like a knucklehead, it will get harder. Okay? So now, let's go on. Um, So when you look at, we're, we're on number three there. Though giving no cause for it, he was hated by his brother. Cain was jealous of his brother then without a cause for it, Jesus was hated by His brethren according to the flesh. The Jews hated Jesus Christ for no reason. How can you hate somebody that's never done anything wrong? Amen? How can you hate somebody that's perfect? Well, that's a good reason to hate them. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why why can't you... Right? Y'all heard all that stuff? Right? It's interesting how the good brother is many times hated by the one that's doing evil. Jesus Christ was good. For no reason at all, he was hated. Number four. Number four. It was out of envy that Cain slew him. It was out of envy that Cain slew him. Look at Matthew chapter 27 in verse 18. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 18. For he knew that for, what's it say there? Envy. They had delivered him. Same reason. Abel is a type of Jesus Christ. It's just an amazing thing how clear it is. Number five, Abel did not die a natural death. Abel did not die a natural death. Number five, Abel did not die a natural death. Our Lord did not die a natural death. He was slain by wicked hands. He was slain by wicked hands. Number six, Abel met with a violent end at the hand of his own brother. Abel met with a violent death at the hand of his own brother. Jesus was crucified by the house of Israel his own brethren, according to the flesh. Now, let me read that again just to make sure everybody got it. Abel met with a violent end at the hand of his own brother. Jesus was crucified by the house of Israel, according to Acts 2.36, his own brethren, according to the flesh. Now, I want you to get this. Why do people that are supposed to know God do bad things? We all know a believer that does something terrible to somebody else. I mean, just awful, terrible. You know somebody that does that? Somebody that claims to know God. Now, remember what we said about Cain. We misunderstand what Cain's sin was. Cain was rejected before he killed Abel. Cain was rejected before he killed Abel. Cain believed in God. He wasn't an atheist. Cain worshipped God. He brought things to worship him with. He just refused to do it God's way. But he knew God. Why did Cain claiming to know God kill Abel. Why do people who claim to know God do evil things? Because they disregard the clear teaching of the Word of God. Let me say this. When somebody who claims to know God does evil, look at what the Bible says. Let's just take, let's just take a minute. Can we do a little rabbit trail? This is one of those famous Jim Alter rabbit trails. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. verse 4 for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame now I want you to understand something about this text this is a very confusing text How many of you in the past have been confused by this text right here? A lot of of questions about this. People who believe that you can lose your salvation, this is one of their proof texts for that. But does it say here that you're going to lose your salvation? Not at all. Not at all. This, and you might want to write down right next to that passage, this is the formula for apostasy. It's the formula for apostasy. And this is where this becomes so important. What is apostasy? Frank, come on up here. Remember, Frank helped me with this last week. All right? Frank has grown up in a Christian home. Mom and dad love the Lord. They're both saved. They're they're both involved in discipleship, teach Sunday school, serving the Lord. All right? Grandparents love the Lord, serving the Lord. He's been in this church since, you said three, since you were three years old. So he's been trained well. He knows the Word of God. He's been under the teaching of the different Sunday school teachers. I think my wife was a Sunday school teacher. His dad was a Sunday school teacher. Now Pastor Nathan is a Sunday school teacher. He knows the Word of God. He's been in Awana. He knows, he's memorized Scripture. Do you know God? You know God. So here's the idea. If I have the Word of God here, and I'm showing Frank the Word of God, This is apostasy. This is someone who knows the Word of God, knows it well, understands it, has seen it lived out, and chooses to walk away from it. Thank you, Frank. That's what apostasy is. Apostasy is turning your back on the Word of God, turning your back on the clear teaching of the Word of God. So now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 6, and let's look at what the Bible says about apostasy. Our message this morning just became a two-parter, okay? Okay, Hebrews chapter 6. So look at what it says. For it is, verse 4 again, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and of the powers to come. So here's the idea. They, they've tasted it. This is someone that has seen Up close, the power of God. Do you know who the... What what God does is God always gives us an individual in the Bible that personifies a character trait. The person in the Bible who personifies is, is this characteristic in person is Judas. Imagine, Judas touched God. Judas walked with him for three years. Judas knew about his power, knew about who he was, and turned his back on him. Turned his back on him. I want you to understand something. Judas was a disciple when you have the names of the disciples listed, Judas is named as a disciple of Christ. Remember what a disciple is. A disciple is one who follows with the intent to learn and learns with the intent to obey. Judas fooled all of the other disciples. Do you remember when Jesus Christ said, before the cock crows, one of you is going to betray me. One of you that's sitting here is going to betray me. And what did they do? they they all look at Judas and say, yeah, I knew it was you? No, what did they say? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? See, that's the problem with an apostate. You wouldn't know. Josh Ferrier here. What if he was an apostate? This is a guy that grew up in a Christian home. His father's a man of God, knows God. Mom loves the Lord. Dad's a pastor. He knows God. He knows God's word. Has served the Lord for years. What would happen if we found out that Josh was an apostate? See, there's something that you need to understand. You can't tell by looking at somebody whether or not they're born again. You can't tell by their profession whether they're born again. You can't know. You cannot know. You cannot know. Unless their profession and their walk match up. See, here's where the key, here's where the key is. Let me say this. We've got to have a little parenthesis on what I just said. How many of you have ever done something that didn't match up with your testimony? That doesn't mean you're lost. If the Holy Spirit convicts you about it, you're saved. If the Holy Spirit never convicts you of evil, you are not born again. Let me say this again. If the Holy Spirit never convicts you of evil, you are not born again. Amen? Amen? So now we're looking at this process of apostasy. What you have here is someone who has been around the truth. They have experienced the truth. They've seen the reality of God working. But they've never truly been born again. And they walk away from it and i want you to know this is why i have preached five messages in a row on the gospel uh, i'm going to be doing a camp soon in uh, in maine it's a teen camp and this is a really conservative church you know that the, where they're going to tell you you know what i'm talking about I mean, you know what i'm talking about very conservative This is a message that a church like that needs to hear. Do you know what? We are a very doctrinally sound church. How much scripture have we looked at today? Do you know that you can know all of that and be lost? There are probably people in this room right now that are not born again. And the problem with not being born again is eventually the, the entertainment value, the intellectually uh, stimulative value, Nature of our work, that's going to wear off. And what you're going to do is you're going to turn, you're going to walk away from God. You're going to leave it. Because you are tasting of the good things. You're seeing it. How many of you have ever given somebody the gospel and they quote scripture back at you? You know what that is? That's someone that's tasted of the heavenly gift. They've walked away. And it is almost impossible. Now, it, when, when they're truly apostatized, when they truly have truly turned their heart against it, God says it's impossible. Now, praise God, we don't know when that is. <laughs> Amen? Let me just give you my personal testimony on this. When I was, uh, I, I was born in a Christian home, my dad was a pastor, and I've never, my earliest memories are the gospel. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. My earliest memories. I made a profession of faith when I was six years old. Um, but I, I, I generally, genuinely understood it, gave my life to Christ, asked Him to be my Savior when I was 15. I went to Bible college when I was 18, and it was a just, you know, a real militant, hard school. And there were people there on the faculty that acted more like Satan than like God. And I was a knucklehead, you know, uh, just, you know, acting like a knucklehead. And so my, my behavior coming into conflict with people in leadership that wouldn't know what Christ-likeness was if it hit him in the face, that combination, it drove me away from the Lord and away from the Lord's work. So when I was 19 or 20, I left college, I moved to the other side of Chicago, got a job in Chicago, and contemplated leaving Christianity completely. Anybody else ever been there? You know, not necessarily in Chicago, but... But you know what I'm talking about? You get to the place where you, you examine the people around you that claim to be Christians, and then you look at what you know and you start to think, wait a minute, these two do not go together. Well, I went to Chicago and I had a friend, Kenny Flickinger, my friend Flickinger, my friend Kenny from college. His youth director had moved to Mount Prospect, Illinois. And he was the youth director at Mount Prospect Bible Church. Well, I went to Mount Prospect Bible Church just to see some meet some friends and i got involved there and i met a pastor his name was charles koloski now charles koloski was a five-point calvinist he said he was preaching a sermon a revival one time and he was given the invitation and nobody was coming and a 10 year old boy walked down the aisle and said son what are you coming for he said i don't really need anything it just looked like you could use some help (laughs) That was dr koloski man what a what a tremendous man of God he was. And then Tim, the youth director, now remember what I've just come through, this college, the way that they were treating me. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And so I said to Tim, imagine where your mind is when you ask this question. I asked him this question. I said, Tim, what is there about me that I need to change? Now, there are some people you do not want to ask that question right? But I asked this question to Tim. And he has looked at me. And he said, Jim, I don't know. I don't look at you that way. I don't think about you that way. And see, I had this this idea that anybody that ever knew me, all they saw were my glaring faults and all of those things. Tim demonstrated the grace of God. He demonstrated what we looked at in 1 John, the opposite of Cain. He demonstrated to me, genuine Christian love. At the same time, another friend of mine, a guy named Jim Reed, gave me a set of books called The Complete Works of Francis Schaeffer. Francis Schaeffer was called The Missionary to the Intellectual, and I thought I was an intellectual. So I started reading Schaeffer, and I found out I wasn't an intellectual. (laughs) But here's what happened. I found out Schaeffer wrote a book called True Spirituality. And it was so interesting when I read the introduction to that book. Because listen to what Schaefer said Schaefer had been an atheist. That's a person that doesn't believe in God, which is kind of hard. How do you believe in a You know, how is your position a negative? You know, you divine yourself by what you're not. So he understood then that he wasn't really an atheist, he was an agnostic. An agnostic is a person that doesn't, they just believe you cannot know whether or not there's a God. Well, then, he became a Christian. He was born again. Well, Schaeffer, brilliant man, great mind, genius, he starts reading the Word of God, and he, he starts looking at the people around him. And the people around him didn't look like the Christians that he saw in the Scriptures. And so here's what he said. He said, I had to go all the way, in my mind, I had to go all the way back to my agnosticism, get the Word of God, and rethink my Christianity. And the result of that was this book called True Spirituality. And what he said was this. He said, in Christianity, what you see is you have people who give you these lists of taboos, this lists of do's and don'ts. And if you check off the things on this list of do's and don'ts, that will determine your Christianity. Well, then you have another group of people that they say, away with all lists. And you come over here. But now the problem is when you remove all the lists of things to check off on whether you're a Christian or not, now all of a sudden you're confronted with this. Can I tell you something? That's easier. If you you dress like this, if you speak like this, if you give like this, if you attend church like this, then you're a Christian. When you remove that list and all of a sudden you're over here and you're just resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ for your eternal life, understanding the way, the truth, and the life instead of the way of Cain, all of a sudden, it doesn't, whether or not any of you serve the Lord has no bearing on my position in Jesus Christ. You see? So I learned that. And the Lord worked in my life. Say, Pastor, why'd you tell us that story? Because I, at that moment, was on the doorstep of apostasy, of walking away from the Lord. Now, you want to know what I believe? Do you know why I didn't apostatize? Because I am such a good guy. I am so smart. I am so well-read and... Is that why I didn't? No, because when I was 15 years old, I asked Jesus Christ to save me and place my faith and trust in Him alone. And Jesus Christ was not going to let me go. So do you know what He did? He took me to Mount Prospect, Illinois and had me sit under this Calvinist, Charles Kolaski. Had me meet Tim Ramsden, this youth director that just loved me. Had me read Francis Schaeffer to understand that there was an intellectual basis to the faith that my dad had taught me. And God worked in my life so much through those things so much through those things. Then he took me to Bible college and back to school and worked, had me meet Laura and then had our son and had Riley die to teach me what life was really all about. What was God doing? God was keeping me off of the road to apostasy. I wonder if you can look back in your life and see God's hand keeping you off of that road to apostasy. I wonder if there are any of you here and you are on that road to apostasy right now. You've been in church. You've had people giving you the gospel over and over and over again. You know the truth of the word of God. You don't know it all, but you know enough to know that you need a Savior. And you're just not taking that step. You're just not taking it. I'm so thankful that God kept me off of that path. How many of you you can look back and you can you can you can know a time when God, with His hand, kept you off that path to apostasy. You know, you know. You can look back. I hope that you're born again. Next week we'll finish up this life of Abel, but I want you to know. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today, you're going to heaven. If you, you don't have to pack up your stuff, I'm almost done. <laughs> Good night. The bell didn't even ring yet. <laughs> I had a teacher, Ed Reese. The bell rang, and the, when the bell would ring, Doctor Reese was the absent-minded professor. You know, yeah, the Reese chronological Bible. It's him, Ed Rees. Dr. Reese, one time, the bell rang, and he'd be talking, Savannah, roll oh, end of the third century, and the bell rang, and he turned and walked right into the wall. He was going to try to walk out. Listen. <laughs> and if you know Dr. Reese, you know he could do that. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Are you born again? The way of the transgressor is hard. If you do well, you'll be accepted. What do you? How how do you do well? You bring the right sacrifice. What's the right sacrifice? Jesus Christ's blood. Nothing in my hand I bring; only to the cross I cling. Laura and I were talking. She said that Cain's song was "I did it my way." <laughs> Amen. Abel's song was nothing but the blood of Jesus. Have you come under the blood of Jesus? If you haven't, you've taken that first step on the road to apostasy. Make it real in your life. Make it real. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your direction.